Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. So friends, radical hospitality is how we make the invisible visible and the word of God matter in a world where people feel that they don't matter. We're continuing our series called Be With Me, Walk With Me, Sit with me, this series where we're talking about radical hospitality, what it means to not just be friendly, but to also be welcoming. I hope that this series challenges us and pushes us towards a place where we're not just being smiling faces, but rather those that are willing to sacrifice a bit of comfort to make sure people know of God's great love. Last week, we talked about how as Christ transforms our hearts, Christ will transform our circles until eventually we find that the people around us might believe differently, look differently, feel differently, love differently, act differently than than we do. And we can find that as those circles transform, we become more like Jesus. We talked about how the 12 disciples were the men that followed Jesus around and how they just really didn't like each other. They didn't really have a reason to hang out other than their shared love of Christ. We too, as followers of Jesus, we can choose then to be around those that might be a little bit different than us, but the one thing we have in common is God's great love for us. This whole series, this whole push and movement is a march for us from friendly towards hospitality from those that are just big, warm smiles and happy faces towards a place of true hospitality, making space, pulling up a chair, ensuring that people know of God's love. It's also a march for us from unholy to holy, moving from a place where we aren't like Jesus just yet, and as we love people radically, we begin to look more and more like Jesus. And then it's also a march then, friends, for our world to go from dark and dying to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will come and dwell among us as we continue to fight to make space for those who feel that they could never be welcomed in a church. This church, this community, this space here on Shepherd Road, these 10 acres and other campuses as we continue to grow will always show that those that think they'd never find themselves in a church were needed there all along. The first thing that you can write in your bulletin, the first thing I want you to hear today, I'm going to say it so much, I hope it bugs you, is this. Radical hospitality shows us what remarkable things the good news can do. Radical hospitality shows us what remarkable things the good news can do. So our passage today is from the Acts of the Apostles, or the book of Acts, chapter 8 verses 26 through 38. I invite you, if you've got a paper Bible, open that up to Acts chapter 8. If you don't have a paper Bible, open up your phone and Google Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 38. We're going to be reading from the Common English Bible. You won't see it on the screen, but I'm pretty good at reading. But I encourage you to look it up yourself because I want you to underline something, actually. 
All right, hear the word of the Lord. An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip, At noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he did. Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way home from Jerusalem, where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Just to pause there real quick, a eunuch was someone who was a government official in a government run by a queen. In some traditions, maybe this man would have a different body than than most people. He might act differently, dress differently. But the only thing we know from the scripture is that he worked for the government. And he didn't just work for the government. He was in charge of the treasury. So think less like the guy that you get your driver's license from and more from the guy who signs our dollar bills, okay? Secretary of the Treasury is who you need to be thinking about. All right, and and a footnote. The Spirit told Philip, approach this carriage and stay with it. This is what I want you to underline. Running up, running up. That's the, the phrase I want you to underline, highlight, or just remember it, write it in your bulletin, running up. Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you are reading? The man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. This was the passage of scripture he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants because his life was taken away from him? Who can tell the story because his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, about whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Starting with the passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. As they went down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water, what would keep me from being baptized? He ordered the carriage halt. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water where Philip baptized him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! Uh, We do that because we want to show celebration that we're actually happy to read God's word. All right. So let's unpack this thing, man, because this is a dense passage. I know it's a lot of verses. It's a lot to read here, but, but I, I know that every verse is going to matter. So Ethiopian eunuch in this passage is a filler for the phrase different. The Ethiopian eunuch here in this story is a stand-in for the words a very, very different person. Uh, for our modern eyes and ears, maybe the best way to see it was the man from Timbuktu right? I've never been to Timbuktu. Apparently it exists. It's in Mali. But whenever I heard the word Timbuktu, that meant really, really far away. So the readers of this original passage, they would read this and they would know, oh, this guy is different. This guy might as well have come from Mars. This guy is different and strange and not normal. This passage is dense. And there are three characters I want us to look at. The first is the angel of the Lord, or I think the Holy Spirit. So that's the first one. The second character is the eunuch, the government official. And lastly, it's Philip, the disciple that followed Jesus. And all throughout, all of these characters are going to remind us and show us again and again that radical hospitality shows us what remarkable things the good news can do. 
The first character in this passage is the Holy Spirit, the angel of the Lord. And the next thing you can write in your bulletin is this. Radical hospitality will get you to move. So an angel from the Lord spoke to Philip. At noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. Friends, this passage, though Philip and the eunuch do all the talking, uh, most of the talking, this is a story about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does a remarkable thing, makes a remarkable call, a big call, an impossible call towards action, and Philip fulfills it. Philip ends up on a deserted road at noon. Now, I've never walked from Jerusalem to Gaza in Palestine, but from what I can tell from commentaries, it would be as if the angel of the Lord came to us and said, go and walk to Connorsville. You don't know where Connorsville is, even though you live near it. It's that liminal space between Bartow and Lake Wales. There's nothing going on in Connorsville. There's a place where I think you can buy bait, or you can get pulled over by Grady Judd's finest, okay? It is a deserted road. Now imagine if the Holy Spirit came to you right around noon and said, start walking. Now, again, I've, I've not been to Palestine, and I don't know what the weather's like, but I can assume that since it's a desert road, at noon, it's pretty darn hot. And so Philip, in his humanity, walked on a deserted, hot road, knowing, knowing he wasn't going to see anyone. And yet as he walks, he sees a royal procession. Now this procession would not have been some small operation, one guy in a chariot. We can assume because he was the chief of the treasury and he was doing a huge journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, that Philip may have heard the procession before he saw it. It would have been dozens and dozens of people, maybe dozens and dozens of animals, camels, chariots that were adorned with gold, royal purple. This would not have been some, some poor pilgrim walking on a deserted road, but instead an incredible and powerful procession of royal prestige. Imagine, friends, if you would, if you were walking over the Peace River Bridge from Bartow to Lake Wales, when all of a sudden the king of Spain drove by in his Cadillac with all of his security. It would be very strange, right? I was driving home from Gainesville one time, and I saw that northbound I-75, I think is the road, was empty. And I thought, boy, that is strange. And then I saw in the distance just one little vehicle. And as it got closer, I thought, that's a pretty big Cadillac. And I realized it was the beast. The president wasn't in it. The, the, the beast is the president's motorcade. But the president wasn't in it because there was only one car. Boy, was that strange. I don't know if you've driven from Gainesville, but there ain't a lot going on there. But apparently the president was in the villages and, you know, blah, 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 blah. It was a strange thing to see. And Philip says to himself, I'm sure, well, this sure is a strange thing to be. This is a strange place to be. Boy, this is not what I expected when I got up this morning. Friends, can I tell you that when you find yourself saying, well, this is a strange place to be, that's a sign of the Holy Spirit. When you feel yourself feeling just a bit out of place, boy, how did I end up here in this conversation with this person who I have very little in common with? Friends, you might be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
Because radical hospitality shows us what remarkable things the good news can do. The next thing I want you to write down is this. Radical hospitality will prove that everyone is looking to be someone. Radical hospitality will prove that everyone is looking to be someone. The next character we're going to look at is the eunuch, this government official, this person who is in charge, is in this royal procession, has everything his heart could ever dream of and more. And what is he doing? He is trying to fill an empty space in his soul. He knows that something's missing. In all of his affluence, in all of his riches, he knows that he is missing something to make his life complete. He knows that something is missing and he knows that he can find it in God's holy word. That's why he was on this trip in the first place. He went to Jerusalem, he worshiped in the temple, and something was still missing. He didn't know what he was missing, and so he opened God's word. But then he finds he has no idea what it could mean to him. He doesn't even know what the guy is talking about. I don't know about you, but a time of honesty and and sincerity. There are times when I crack open the Bible and I go, what is this mean to me? There are things in there that are hard to understand. And friends, frankly, Isaiah, not easy reading. There's a lot of complexity and uncertainty in that that requires uh, someone who knows a little bit more, a little bit different than I do to help me along. But the eunuch is doing this for one reason and one reason alone, and that is because he is missing something, which reminds me of our times. We are in a time when you can get coffee from a local restaurant that came from thousands of miles away. You can have ice in your glass. You have an incredible rectangle in your pocket or purse that can connect with any bit of information around the world. And yet, friends, we are in lonely, lonely isolated times. People are finding themselves disconnected and disoriented all of the time. They're finding that they are missing community, that they're missing truth, that they're missing purpose and meaning. And friends, I got to tell you, that's our fault as the church. We're in a community, a neighborhood that is begging for meaning and purpose, and that is our job to share. It is our job to share community and connection with people and friends, the church, in many ways, we are failing our job. The next thing I want you to write down is this. Human beings need to know that someone sees them as someone. We don't just need to be seen, to be greeted by, uh, you know, our coworkers or, or the people, our neighbors, whatever. We need to be known as someone. Because when this Ethiopian eunuch, when this government official went to Jerusalem, I have a feeling that he got a great big welcome. I have a feeling that the high priest said, clear my schedule. A very rich, I mean a very important, I mean a very nice man is coming. And I need to have some face time with this person and his gold. I mean his gold. I mean his soul. That's what I mean, I'm sure. I need to see him. But yet when he left the temple, he was still missing that connection. He wasn't being seen as someone, as a person. And friends, the call that Philip fulfilled, the call that the Holy Spirit pushed Philip onto, the reason why he was on a deserted road at noon was because the church must be a place 
that sees all the people. Not just that we're there, but sees who we really are, sees what God has made us to be. Because, friends, radical hospitality shows us what remarkable things the good news can do. The last thing in your bullets and some empty space for you to write in there is a question that reminds us of Philip. What would you do to make someone feel seen? What would you do? What depths would you go? What distance would you run? Because my man Philip, he runs after a chariot to talk to someone who is very different. Like I told you, this this Ethiopian eunuch might as well have been the head delegate from Mars. He was different culturally, in some ways religiously, ethnically. The way that he looked and dressed and acted was very different than what Philip knew. And yet Philip sprints after the chariot in the heat of the day on a deserted road, not knowing what he was going to receive other than it was a call from God. God called and told him to chase down the chariot, and he said, I got this, and he runs. He hikes up his robe and moves in his sandals so that he can chase down the chariot. But friends, can I push you just a little bit? Philip is doing this as our example, and we struggle to talk to our neighbors. We struggle to have conversations that might make us uncomfortable, might make us feel as if we're being some crazy Bible believer evangelist or whatever, and yet we can't be pushed to talk to our neighbors when Philip is chasing down chariots. We need to be chariot chasers, y'all. This world so desperately needs us to chase down the chariots of the people who feel that they could never belong in a church. They feel as if they would never be welcomed, they'd never be wanted, they'd never be seen, they'd never be known in a church. We need to chase down their chariots, not because we're so good, but because God so desperately has called us to do exactly that, making space, creating space where people who feel as if they'd never be known or seen would feel known and seen and safe and heard and loved. Friends, radical hospitality shows us what remarkable things the good news can do. So what does all of this mean? I'm talking to you about an Ethiopian eunuch and chariot chasing. I'm sure Ben-Hur might be popping into your minds. What, what could all of this mean? What it means is that God is wanting all the world to know God's love. God was not content with the message of Jesus sticking around Galilee, sticking around Palestine. It needed to go all over the world. You see, this Ethiopian eunuch was leaving town, heading back to Ethiopia. Ethiopia is a nation now in the Horn of Africa. It was a kingdom then run by a queen named Candace. It had this ancient connection to Israel that, you know, it's very interesting, but I won't get into. And, and this Ethiopian eunuch comes back home and says, you won't believe what I heard. I was riding in my chariot, you know, the fast one, and this guy runs up next to me and, and, and helps explain this, this scroll. You remember the scroll that I didn't know how to read? Well, he explained the whole thing to me. And guys, I there's this guy named Jesus. And he preached and told us to love one another and pray for those who persecute us. And then he died, but didn't stay that way. And because of all of that, we, we can have communion with God one-on-one. You should hear. You should hear. Church tradition tells us that that's how Christianity came to Ethiopia in the first place. Ethiopia was one of the very first Christian nations way before Rome ever heard of 
Jesus Christ. It was Ethiopia that taught the church how to be the church in many ways. The Ethiopian Orthodox Church persists to this day, and church tradition tells us it's because Philip chased down a chariot. What work are we missing out on because we can't chase down chariots? Radical hospitality shows us what remarkable things the good news can do. And friends, good news, we don't use chariots anymore, and I really don't want you to chase down any cars. I don't need you to be like a stray dog trying to, you know, spread the gospel. But instead, what we do need to do is sacrifice our comfort just a little bit. Sacrifice our comfort in order to have conversations with people who look, act, sound, and maybe feel differently than we do. Sacrificing that comfort to be able to share just a little bit of God's love is a sacrifice that God will see and honor. If you ever come to try and visit me here in the office, I'm probably not here. I'm typically in the neighborhood. You know, I don't, I don't make widgets at my desk. I make community, and I can't really do that in my office alone. I do talk to myself quite a bit, but I don't typically talk back. You know, yeah, which, <laughs> yeah, I gotta go, gotta go to a physician for that. And so I'm out in the community, and I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with folks in the neighborhood that begins with, you know, just common pleasantries. And then when I say that I'm a pastor, they, a lot of emergency phone calls happen right after, oh, I'm so sorry, I have to take this. And they run, they just leave everything behind. They're like, I'll get a new identity, it's fine. I just don't wanna talk to this pastor. Or all of a sudden, they get very interested in their, in their coffee. They get, you know, distracted by something else. They, they forget the ability to speak English and start conversing in French. The conversation ends sometimes. But then sometimes the conversation moves into, you know, I was really hurt by the church. Oh, wow. I, you know, I, that's interesting that you still believe in that stuff. I was raised in that way, but it broke my heart. Or maybe it'll say, you know, I'm... I love this way, feel this way, act this way. You probably wouldn't want me around. And so in those moments, when those conversations happen, when I am my true self and show God's true love, it is uncomfortable, it is different. It is not as easy as sitting and being by myself. But friends, radical hospitality shows us what remarkable things the good news can do. And friends, we have to be willing to chase the chariot. We have to be willing to have those conversations with people that look, act, feel, and sound differently than us. Because when I've had those conversations, I have been able to see the, faith, the face of God reflected back to me. I've been able to show people that there's a new way of loving God that never actually, or that isn't actually new, but it is the old way re-remembered with open arms and open hearts and open doors, letting more and more and more and more people know that they are needed and needed and loved. Radical hospitality shows us what remarkable things the good news can do. And I think this is important to know. No one wants to be tolerated. What Philip could have done was he could have ran ahead the chariot and been like, hey, do you want to hear about God? No? Okay, great, bye. And just left a space open. You know, just left the door open. Hey, I'm always here to talk. Don't want to pressure you or anything. But that's not what the Holy Spirit called Philip to do, and that's not what the Holy Spirit calls us to do either, friends. We're not called to just tolerate people that are different from us. We are called to chase after them. When you talk to people on the fringes, which is what I try to do, people on the fringes of the church in our neighborhood, you'll hear countless tales of being excluded. People explicitly saying, we don't want you here. You're not welcome here. You're not needed. Please find a different church. But you'll also hear just as many stories of being 
reluctantly welcomed. Hey, yeah, you can come along, but maybe don't, don't share your whole self. Maybe keep some of yourself to yourself. Maybe don't be your whole self. Don't, you know, uh, you've made mistakes in the past. Maybe, maybe don't talk about those. Maybe cover up your tattoos. Maybe cover up your scars. Maybe don't be your whole self. And friends, that is just as bad, if not worse, than being excluded. Think about this. I want this to stick in your head. Can this church be a place of chariot chasers? Can this be a group of people that when we see those who think they'd never, ever darken the doors of the church, find a place where they are welcomed and needed? Could this church be the place where people who thought that they'd never come back to church find that they were needed here in this community in the first place and always? Could this be the church? Could this be the church that opens the door wider and makes space for more than we could have ever imagined in the first place? Radical hospitality shows us what remarkable things the good news can do. Friends, let us chase the chariot. Let's pray together. All right, friends, I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.